Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Let's start together with a pleasant image to uh, make up for where we're about to go, okay? Let's, uh, let's start with cake. Nobody doesn't like cake. Maybe Black Forest chocolate cake with cherries on top and lots of icing. You take a bite of the cake and you declare it delicious. This cake, you say, is particularly moist. And you notice suddenly that half the room is flinching at your declaration. Gross, someone says. You don't like the cake? It's a perfectly good cake. This is a great cake, you ask. No, they say, I don't like that word. <laughs> Have you run into this? People hating to hear the word moist? Uh, I, I don't know where it came from. It might just be a self-involved millennial thing, but it is a thing. <laughs> there are words that people hate to hear, and English speakers actually have a pretty widespread agreement on what those words are. Um, I'll say it for the last time. Moist always tops these sort of lists of the most hated words in the English language, along with that word, uh, clogged, rural, ointment, goiter, slacks. All right? Now that I've thoroughly disgusted a good many of you, uh, I'd like to spend a little time with you today on two of the Christian words that have that effect on me. And nearly every person, actually, I find myself in a room with. These two words, or phrases really, are eternal life and condemnation. You'll notice that we've shifted a little bit. These are not words that are unpleasant to hear, like those unmentionable ones that I already mentioned, uh, to words whose meanings are actually bothersome. To me, it's more like hearing the word, these words are more like hearing the words impactful or synergy or wellness seminar. Not a terrible audio experience, but they've got baggage. Eternal life and condemnation fit in this category for me, and they're both in our most well-known scripture, the one we read today. Say it with me, John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes in the everlasting life, right? Everyone knows this. You memorized it in Sunday school, and if you were like me, you were told as a third grader in a church basement that if you believed in Jesus, it meant you would go to heaven when you died. Maybe a lot for a third grader, I don't know, but I didn't have anything against Jesus at the time and eternal life. Yeah, sign me up. It was not until many, many years later that I would learn that this verse is just absolutely not 
about our souls zooming off to some spaceless, timeless, disembodied afterlife. To understand what Jesus meant, we have to understand, first of all, how many ancient Jews thought about time. Not too different than ours, it's still linear, right? But there were these two ages, or eons, and the first one was all around us, that first age, this age of when the world was broken by corruption, oppression, decay. And all the Hebrew scriptures, as you know, point to the day of the Lord, the coming of the Messiah, who would usher in the new eon, the age to come, where God's healing and justice and peace and presence would cover the world as the waters cover the sea, as Isaiah has it. And you can hear this all the way up to Paul, right? We're studying uh, Galatians on Tuesday nights, and he talks about Jesus as coming to save us from the present evil age, saving them, the Galatians and us, from the actual structures in the world that divide them hierarchically into insiders and outsiders, the Jew and the Greek, the male and the female. No longer do they live in subjugation to these old powers, habitual powers, because Jesus has ushered in the new eon. You with me? It's not that everything has been set right with the coming of this new age. If it's helpful to follow that belief along, you know, it's almost like there's a, a Venn diagram here where we have the old age and the new age, and we are in that overlap, somewhere in the middle, right? It, it's the new life is both among us and also not fully here yet. It's guiding us to that which is yet to come. In John 3.16, the phrase that gets translated as eternal life does not include the Greek word for eternity. They have a word for eternity, and this one isn't it. What we have is the Greek zoen anonion, aeonion. Hear it, right? The, the eon, uh, the, the life of the new eon. You are not being rescued from this world. You are now an agent of that coming time. You are the one who has been anointed to work against that corruption, to undo those yokes of oppression. You are the one who can now say that death and your fear of it no longer rules how you live. Which leads us right into the next verse. And me, to my second point here, condemnation. John 3.17 is the less popular companion to John 3.16, which says, God did not send the world into the world to condemn the world, but that God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. All right. This is my fourth Lent with you all, and in all this time together, I have never parsed a word of biblical Greek to you in a sermon, but today is the day. Uh, krine is the word translated as to condemn in our passage. And again, there's a word in Greek that means condemn, 
and this is not that word. Krine is to judge, simply put, judgment. It's used as a word like we would use in English, as a way of, 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 of making decisions, right? Judging one way better than the other. I have to go run an errand, and I know that I can get there by, by driving down Madison Avenue or Union Avenue, and I know that Union Avenue is a terrifying place to drive, and so I judge that I will drive down Madison instead, right? Same idea is happening here. It doesn't have to be a courtroom scene. The world trembling in the docket as Jesus and Satan argue to God the judge about whether to send the world into eternal punishment. Listen if it was changed. God did not send his son to judge the world. That feels very different than being let off the hook from condemnation. So how did we get to condemnation in our most beloved Bible passage? I suspect partly uh, it's because we read, we've read this passage for so long with this weirdly capitalist understanding of salvation, right? What I mean is the way it was first explained to me was that God had this giant God ledger where the sins of humankind tallied up in the debit column and he couldn't just ride off such a monumental debt, so he had to kill his own son in order to balance the ledger. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we could depart from that kind of metaphor. Let's just be clear that, you know, in the first case, that Scripture condemns usury, the accrual of assets through the charging of interest. It declares the tallying of unpayable and exploitative debts as immoral. But also, can you imagine keeping a ledger for the people you love? Have you known those people who are constantly measuring up others for how much power or prestige they can gain from the relationship? The folks who tally every wrong thing done to them and nurse their grudges through the night hours. I've known them, and they're pretty far from the character of God revealed in Christ. When we imagine this picture of judgment directed at us, we forget that God has already told this story and told it in an entirely different way. It was humanity who put Jesus in the docket. It was us who judged him guilty. We condemned God to death. We were the ones exposed as bloodthirsty and sacrificial, not God. No wonder, really, we translated a clear word about judgment into condemnation. It's like it's, like it's a part of us. The light came and we loved darkness. We continue to operate in so many ways by the rules of the old age. So maybe it would do us some good to take a hard look, maybe an unflinching listen to the words we wince to hear. We might stop making scripture into our own image for one thing, or buying into the image that others have imposed upon it. And that kind of deep engagement 
can lead us to hear it with new ears. For God so loved the world, this world, our world, the one you're sitting in right now. You could see with new eyes the way the old age is passing away. You could see where creation groans and calls your name, beckoning you into the light. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.